My name is Matt Brown. And finally, back again, Burt Reynolds in a commanding lead with $14. Hey. Hey, uh, check out the podium. Look at this. Mr. Reynolds has apparently changed his name to Turd Ferguson. Yeah, that's right. Turd Ferguson. It's a funny name. And let's start the show. Ah, uh, this is great. When I graduated first grade, all my father did was tell me to get a job. The world is a better place because you are here to join us. My name is Matt Brown, and I am the host of the Productive Conversations podcast. It is Thursday, September 16th, 2021, and we are so happy to have you join us for a great and fantastic productive conversation. So before we get into that fun, I just want to remind you to like and subscribe to the Productive Conversations podcast on all podcasting platforms and YouTube. And don't forget to check out exclusive content regarding this show on ProductiveConversationsPodcast.com. And don't forget to check us out in the world of social media. We're on Instagram at Productive Conversations Podcast. We're on Twitter at ProdConvoPod. We're on TikTok at Productive Conversations. So first, just want to say that yesterday was a tough day, or I should say two days ago was a tough day in the world of comedy. After a nine-year battle with cancer, we sadly lost Norm MacDonald, a absolutely big household name in the world of comedy one of the very best stand-ups to ever do it one of the best hosts he was somebody who helped legitimate legitimize podcasting and he's no doubt the very best weekend update anchor in saturday night live's history he's had some great movies he's given us lots of laughs and he will surely be missed thank you norm mcdonald for all the laughs you will be greatly missed and your legacy will never go away. So, another, another things in our world, you know, September 16th, mid-September is officially here. I saw driving around today that leaves are starting to change colors. And we are going to have some beautiful sights in the tri-state area in the next couple of weeks. Also, the fall... And mid-September brings a very special person in my life named Donna Brown, a.k.a. my mother. Mom, I just want to wish you a very happy birthday tomorrow. You really, you really are the greatest person on planet Earth. You and Dad are such great influences. You have a great head on your shoulder. You know how to lead us in the right direction. And for all the praise and wonderful respect that you get from all the people who know you, you deserve it. You're a very important person in my life, the family's life, your friend's life, and you make an impact. Love you, Mom. Hope you have a wonderful birthday tomorrow. And now on to other things. Before uh, another great weekend ahead, we have a very special guest on the Productive Conversations podcast. Someone from an older generation, but somebody who's very wise, who knows what he's talking about, and he has great stories. It's none other than the famous, fabled person known as Ramblin' Russ Miller's on the Productive Conversations podcast today, everybody. This man is big in the Norwalk community, and of course, he uh, is a father a successful career man, and has so many great things going for him. And the fact that he took some time to come on the show really means a lot. It was a very enjoyable conversation from start to finish. And we are all going to sit back, relax, and enjoy the vibes of the great 
Ramblin' Russ Miller. We talk about the Norwalk High School athletic program, especially the baseball team. We talk about UConn basketball, the New York Mets, the New York Giants, the New York Knicks. We go around the NFL and we just hear all these great opinions that this man has to offer. So let's enjoy the next hour or so, and let's enjoy this productive conversation. Ramblin' Russ Miller, it's your turn. Let's get to it. This is a very productive conversation. Ladies, gentlemen, and people of the Productive Conversations faithful. So today we have a Norwalk legend, another one, somebody who knows what he's talking about, knows how to give a good time, and he knows how to uh, bring it when we need it the most. So we have the famous Ramblin' Russ Miller on the Productive Conversations podcast. Russ, thanks for joining us today, buddy. How are we doing? Great to be here, Matt, with you. Uh, known your family for many years in Norwalk. Great, great family. Great brothers. You have two brothers like I do. Uh, I happen to be the youngest. I think you're in the middle. If I'm not mistaken. I'm the oldest, actually. It goes the me, Brendan, go. and Tommy. So you're the oldest. My apologies. You're the oldest. Then there's Brandon, and then there's Matt. Uh, there's Tommy. Yep. TB10, who's now TB17 at Wagner. Exactly. It's great to be here. Uh, we missed watching your, your brother play last fall. Yes, uh, we did. Okay. And, uh, but here we are, and I'm sure he's going to do great at, in college. And, uh, so it's great to be here with you. For sure. We're very proud of what he's been doing. Um, work the way up with the developmental team. Now we're really making a push, uh, impressing his coaches. And, you know, it's been fun going out and standing on the past couple of weeks to check him out. And we went out to, uh, the first varsity home opener against central which was a very competitive game, but a wide right um, when they could have won it. Um, sealed the deal and they lost 21-19, but hopefully they could bounce back. And um, it's really interesting to see now that he's a part of that community out in the FCS and, um, you know, who knows what the future brings. So we're just happy that he's running. He loves the school and um, I'm excited for the future ahead. Well, we wish him well, obviously. For sure. So one of the things we could start with you, Russ, and as you mentioned, Norwalk High School, that's our big connection. I'm class of 2013. Um, I enjoyed my time 09 to 13, you know, cheering on those bears and such. Now there's a whole generation with your children. And then you had your son, a part of the state champion Norwalk High School baseball team this past spring. Why don't we just focus on that to start? How did it feel seeing your boy, if you can uh, tell us what's his name? And uh, what do you think of, you know, seeing that big moment? Every time you see the Rafters, you'll see 2021 baseball champions, and you and your family were part of that. What's it like yeah, well, for you? It was, it was very special for Daniel. Uh, he, he had a tough regular season. You know, he was uh, – he started the year out, played five games, did okay. They, I think they were three and two. Mm-hmm. 
And then he had to sit down for a little while. Then he came back and started again when another player was sitting out. And then he came back out for the FCAC a couple games there. And then finally he got in the game. And, you know, his defense was spectacular from the beginning of the year till the end of the year. His offense came and went like every other kid does. does. Um, but the team was most impressive about this group. They were resilient as a team. And, uh, they put it together when they had to. And that one nothing game up at Pounder Field will be a it's an all-time classic. I mean, it's a one nothing game. You had a kid that came off the bench to get the winning hit. Cost, yeah, right. Bonus. I mean, he's a junior, he'll be a senior this year. Um, nobody thought they'd do anything in the state. They were ranked twenty-sixth in the, you know, twenty-fourth seed, I think it was. Um what a special group of kids. I mean, I knew I knew a lot of the kids that were seniors and even a couple of juniors and the kid that's a sophomore is a Darren, who's now a junior is going to be a good pitcher in the future. They got a great, great team there. Great bunch of kids. And um, they were fun to watch the last five games in the state tournament. They were a, a great team. They played great defense. They pitched well. Um, uh, Danny, Danny played well for them at, at moments. Uh, the better stadium double. And the last inning was a big yeah. hit. So, but overall, the kids, a lot to be proud of. It was a great experience for, 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 for all the kids, I think, you know, whether they played a lot, didn't play a lot, whether they were the star, whether they were the pinch runner, Noah Maldonado, I'll mention his name first. He scored the only run in the state championship. Yeah, right. I mean, you could have made a lot of money if you picked Noah Maldonado, score the only run in the state championship. <laughs> and that's not a knock on Noah. That's just reality. I mean, that's reality. Um, I think the coach learned a lot over the course of the season. As yes. Manager, he learned a lot too. And um, nice guy, Coach Mitchell and his staff. And um, But these kids were ready to compete at that level based on their youth experience. I mean, the, those kids were, were winners from when they were eight years old, whether they played Little League or they played Cal Ripken. Mm-hmm. Those kids won. And then they won in – with the revolution to two world series, a lot of those kids were on that team, a core bunch of them. So they knew how to win. And it showed in those last five games, it showed when they, when they, when they knew their season was going to end, if they lost, they just kept winning. And um, they wanted to play that Frankie Musicato team up, up in East Catholic. We called, they called it easy Catholic because <laughs> they didn't play anybody. East Catholic, right? Noah plays in the FC act. For baseball and football, and even basketball, you could argue, it's probably the toughest conference in the entire state of Connecticut. Oh, there's no question. Some, when you look at some of the resources some of the other schools have, and then you look at Norwalk High or West Hill, where I, where I graduated in 1989, or you look at Stanford High or, or Brian McMahon, these other schools have a lot more resources than the local schools do in a lot of cases. But... These young men and, and you know, I'm, I, I don't you know, I mentioned Noah. Obviously, you have Alistair Morin, who's a fixture now in Norwalk history. I mean, he's he's a great kid, great kid. And uh, he'll do great at Siena and wherever he goes. He's, he's definitely a prospect for, for the next level, for sure. Um, and then just a whole bunch of other great players. I mean, Alistair pitched almost every game, it seemed, for Norwalk. <laughs> And uh, it's amazing he still has an arm, and he does. And he's he's really developed in, in a, to a mature player. And, you know, <clears throat> growing up with these kids and seeing how they've, how they've turned out, it's it's it was probably the greatest thing. It would have been nicer if I was one of the coaches, obviously, or been a part mm-hmm. of it like that. 
but to be a father and to watch and to sit back and, you know, like every other dad does or mom, in a lot of cases, you second guess coaches, you, you, you know, at the end of the day, what was the result? The result was a championship and coach Mitchell's got something. I mean, it's going to be hard for him to top that going forward. Uh, they'd have to win the FCAC and the state to go forward, but you know, to win the first ever state championship in Norwalk baseball history and Norwalk baseball has much more of a tradition, even as much or more than Stanford and Norwalk to win the state championship for the first time in school history, no matter who you played, not alone, they had to beat four out of five teams or FCAC teams to do it. And the way they did it and some of the plays that were made in that game, I mean, the kid Ben at third base, Ben Bunkafusa throwing home and Jaden tags him. Yeah. That was with no outs. That was probably the biggest play of the of the season, right? Defensively. It was a defensive play, though. And all and all the guys know that pitching and defense wins championships. And they were able to to pull off what I thought was a tremendous run. And it, yeah, it was a very proud moment for everybody, you know, to see Coach Tucci excel celebrating. He was up there, you know, to see that the, the history of Norwalk. I got to learn a lot in a year about the history of Norwalk baseball. And thank God we had a season because the kids didn't get one their junior year, but at least they were able to end it with, on a really high, high note. And it was it was awesome. Yeah, and it, sh- it shows that tradition like Norwalk has. is It is a baseball town. I mean, not only because of this, uh, all the fields spread out, throughout the whole entire city, but that tradition, obviously some players made the, made the show. You have Mo Vaughn had a good career and winning an MVP. And it only shows that keeping the community together can lead to good things. And I wanted to ask, um, if you can, you know, branch off more that you mentioned compared to these more affluent communities like a New Canaan, a Darien, a Greenwich, who has the resources, as you mentioned, to help train and develop their players at, you know, bigger speed or higher level. And then you have a Norwalk, Norwalk that is a very diverse town with various backgrounds, and yet they come together and still knock down, you know, these teams, defeating Greenwich and, uh, as you mentioned, the, defeating Greenwich in the semifinals, defeating West Hill after that. So what do you think as a parent was the major key to have one, these players stay together? Cause some, you know, groups go their various ways, do other interests, or was it something that was just pure heart and soul as sometimes that's all you need to beat those bigger teams in that David and Goliath store. I wonder if you could just branch off. What was the key to have these, um, this group of young men take it even against, you know, these bigger programs. I think actually in a, in a lot of ways, having 13 seniors helps, right? Cause now yeah. you're more mature players. A lot of them didn't get to play as juniors on the baseball in the, in the spring, they played together in the off season. A lot of them, they stayed within with the, the local program in the off season. So that helps. Um, sometimes you get a cycle of good players all being in one school at the same time that happens. Yep. Uh, McMahon was no slouch. Let's be honest. That was a great doubleheader uh, at Cubetta stadium. So see McMahon play, I know they did lose, but if they if they caught the ball a little bit better, they might have been playing. We might have been having all Norwalk final, which would have been tremendous for Norwalk. Can <laughs> you would, imagine? I was rooting for it. I don't consider uh, – maybe I'm too new to Norwalk. I mean, I've only lived here as an adult. I, I grew up in Stanford and West Hill, Stanford, Trinity Catholic, Stanford Catholic back then. The rivalries were friendly rivalries, and I think Norwalk McMahon. And I, I didn't. I'm not involved with the football program, but I can tell you this: it's it's more of a friendly rivalry. I was rooting for McMahon to win. I really was, and I thought they were going to win. 
Um, they just made a few errors. But at the end of the day, um, keeping the kids together, they're not going off to, you know, St. Joe's. Now that Stanford Catholic's closed or Trinity Catholic's closed, that should help mm-hmm. keep some of the kids from going there, let's just say. Um, you know, it's uh, it's a situation where I think um, this group of players just we were used to playing together, but they, they came together very nicely at the end, and that's everybody's going to remember that. But you, re- you sometimes you enjoy it even more when you when you're not coasting through the whole season and you're right. you know, your ups and downs and you're, you know, as a player, as a team, as a program, but, you know, um, but Norwalk had success in, in baseball. They just didn't get over the hump to right. win a state title for many years. They were there. They've had some great players through the years. Pete Tucci Jr. You know, Pete Tucci, Kevin Morton at McMahon, you know, in Norwalk in general, when you look at McMahon, Mo Vaughn played at McMahon, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. So you have, players you know you have uh the daniellos played high school baseball uh college baseball at uconn i mean you have you have a history of of kids going out of norwalk and doing well at the next level uh it would be nice if we had one youth program maybe everybody merged to little league um, right <laughs> that's what i'd like to see obviously the ripkin people would like to see ripkin I, I think there's benefits to both programs we need more kids playing baseball to answer your question we need more kids playing baseball and mm-hmm. I think places like the Carver Center, some of the other foundations that are involved in Norwalk where some kids can't afford to play, we need to get those kids to play and, and sponsor them and have scholarships for those kids or, and let them play for free. And Little League, for example, has a program that allows kids to play for free, that allows kids to play. Little League International has a program that enables kids to play. So money should never be an object for some of the kids to play baseball. And, and that's how we can maybe keep up with with other towns, but when it comes to baseball, you know, Norwalk is, is clearly the top in, in, in Fairfield County for baseball. And let's, we want to keep it that way. And I think, you know, I think both high schools have good coaches. I think there's some good youth coaches, but I think they have some really good high school coaches. And I think, uh, I think it's going to help. Absolutely. You know, there was always growing up in Norwalk, there's always that uh, urban legend or not urban legend, but there was always that thing that, for lack of a better word, there was that thing that said if Norwalk and McMahon were one high school, we would be one of the best in the whole state, maybe the Northeast, because you have that talent coming together. But it is what it is, and you still have your pride because of it. But, you know, just having that influence and driving kids the right way that this is worth taking into, we really need to do that. And especially even the sports itself, Major League Baseball needs to do what they can to help market their players more to have that interest to come in and want to play baseball. And I do think coming out of the pandemic, baseball has been better at that, you know, with uh, Shohei Otani being a good influence, Yankees and Mets, at least over here, Yankees and Mets having competitive seasons. And we'll obviously get into that. But before, but before we move on to other things, the Mets have a little bit of a handicap. Oh yeah. We will definitely get into that, but at least they're not, you know, awful. And they all do have competitive September games, which is all you ask for. And, um, I was wondering if there's anything else that you think can help influence kids to go into baseball, uh, to, you know, go into other things and, you know, stay out of trouble most of all. And whatever I think, I think a big factor is to get into the communities, dig down deep and recruit those players to, to play right at the youth level. And the youth level will lead into the high school, middle school or our high school level. Yeah. So the key is to get them when they're young, when they're, 
you know, T-ball age, five years old, get them swinging bats and, and, and open it up and, you know, maybe offer free enrollment, do what we got to do to get kids to play base, more kids to play. And it's, we're not alone. Norwalk's not alone in that regard from a standpoint of participation in, in youth sports. It's gone down throughout the country. Um, so, but we, we could do better in Norwalk. Um, they could do better in a lot of different places around Fairfield County from, from that standpoint too, but we should definitely be able to do better in Norwalk. Oh yes, that in, in re, getting kids to play and, and running clinics and and so on. Well, definitely keeping our fingers crossed. No reason to not have a be excited about a bright future ahead, and uh, we'll see what happens. So, why don't we transition from the youth level all the way up to the pros? We're gonna go dive into some big sports, especially for our New York sports team. So why don't we first hit on the New York Metropolitans right now? I know you're a Mets fan. They, at the time of this recording, tough loss to the St. Louis yesterday, but they did take two out of three from the Yankees. It's been, uh, first, the New York Mets season can be, you know, I hope from, since Steve Cohen bought the team up till this point, it could be, it's going to be a great 30 for 30. Obviously with the, you know, we do have the scandals from the hirings. Yeah, whether it's what happened with, you know, Zach Gelb, and then you have the GM getting in trouble for harassment. You have the interim GM getting in trouble for um, a DUI. You have uh, players allegedly booing the fans. You've had players have internal conflicts like a McNeil and Lindor. Yet it is mid-September. They are in a pennant race. Right now, they're four and a half, or sorry, five and a half back of the Braves for the NL East. And then the wild card, they are, excuse me, in the wild card standings, the Mets are just one second. I'll pull that up. Should have the top of my head, but I will for the next time. So at the moment, the Mets are three and a half back from the second uh, wild card in Cincinnati. Clearly, the Dodgers or the so clearly the Dodgers or the Giants are going to get that first seed. So it's a race. Now Cincinnati's leading at the moment. They also have to worry about St. Louis and the Phillies. So it's been quite the year, Russ, for the New York Mets, but they still have a heartbeat. So basically I want to ask and start, do you feel this team has it to clinch a playoff berth? Whether it's, you know, when they want to hit, you do have a very fast and explosive Javi Baez on the team. You know, when he's not swinging two, two whole minutes before pitch is thrown or you have a Francisco Lindor, you know, starting to hit some more. I know Conforto's had some concerns. I mean, a real drop dead year, but he has picked up the bat a little bit. Who knows if the Grom's coming back because they're in a race. How do you feel about the Mets? Do you think they have a chance to make the playoffs? Well, sure. I mean, everybody has a chance, right? If you're not out of it until you're out of it. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I wouldn't put uh, more than a few dollars that they'll make the playoffs on the Mets. I think the Mets are are, are a disaster, actually. I think they've yeah. underachieved. They think they've underachieved. Um, uh, we're, what is it, September 14th today? Yeah. Uh, we've got what? How many more games do the Mets have? 25? Yes, right Maybe now 20s. games left around yeah. in the twenties, the early twenties. They they have to win seventy five percent of their games. They have to go fifteen and five. Let's just say whatever the numbers are, based on what we've seen through one hundred forty games or so, whatever it is, 
there's nothing that gives me any confidence that they'll do it. So mm. and part of that problem I have as a fan and someone who really has followed it very closely this summer, whatever reason I've been more in tune to the Mets, uh, because I was excited about, you know, they have Lindor. They, you know, they have some players that can mm-hmm. play. Let's let's be honest. Uh, Nimmo was a great leadoff batter. Then he got hurt. Um, their catching position needs improvement, definitely. Um, first base, Alonzo's great, you know, but he's not a number two hitter. So every time I see Alonzo up second, I cringe. I said, you know, who's making up the lineup? Rojas or the <laughs> analytics department? Right. Right. Who's running the team, Rojas or the analytics department? So that's a question I'd ask. I'd ask him straight up to his face. If he makes the calls, if he truly does make the calls, like he made when he took uh, T. Walker out, Tawan Walker out of that yeah. game with a one-hitter, right? He took him out with a one-hitter with the lead against San Francisco. I was at the game. And I, like several other fans, were, were chanting for, for his. At the end of the day, as a manager, you don't want to screw things up. This guy's found a way to screw things up, whether it was doing that, whether it's pinch hitting for McCann with Mazika, who's less of a hitter, whether it's <laughs> whether it's um, one of the games he, he uh, the last, which game was it, where he, 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 oh, he let the Florida Marlins best hitter beat him. Okay. Yeah, I mean, that's Chisholm. three games that we've seen, clearly. The wrong decisions were made, and when when kids can dis, when kids can see that when when little kids can see what's going on or, or teenagers or whatever when people could see that, you don't have to be a second guesser to say that. You could first guess a manager when they do stupid things, and you know he's cost the team a lot of a lot of games. And so now you're in a close race, and now you're in a big moment of truth, and then another bad decision gets made which doesn't put your players in a position to win, then you have a right to question, you know, as a fan, as someone who's paying a lot of money, just like we do for, we'll get to the giants in a little while. I'm sure mm-hmm. the football giants. Oh yeah. What What's going on here with, with this guy, you know, Louis Rojas. So he's a nice guy. He's a young guy. He doesn't have major league experience managing obviously, but if he's calling the shots, he needs to go. If the analytics department is calling the shots and only he knows that, then the analytics department needs to go. And maybe baseball, because the Yankee fans were complaining about the analytics too earlier in the year. Okay. Oh. All right. They were too. And I've seen Aaron Boone make some dumb moves too. So if the analytics department, if the brainiacs, the the, the Oakland athletic type of baseball, mm-hmm. baseball, if the analytics department is taking over the game, that's bad for the game. It's bad for your team, like it is for the Mets. Bottom line is Rojas. He's, he's, I mean, well, I mean, I don't know why, your, why your power hitter, your RBI power hitter would bat second is, is beyond me. It makes no sense with no speed. He's got no speed where he could put a Villar up to, or Nemo Villar, you know, or Nemo Baez or Nemo Lindor. Like Lindor has been batting second now with Alonzo third or fourth. I mean, just lineups, you know, and then to have so many different lineups every game. Kids, you know, kids, adults, professionals, it's the same thing. You want to have consistency right. in your approach. You should be able to, after 140 games, figure out what's my best lineup that's going to win me, win, win, win baseball games, and then drill it in consistently because it'll work. It works, right? 
So when you have different players hitting behind different players, you're overanalyzing. What I'm saying to you is they're overanalyzing. They're definitely overanalyzing. They're taking the chemistry out of the game, which cannot be analyzed. The chemistry's come out of the game. The Mets, I mean, it's it's embarrassing, actually. So, yeah. And, and as far as your owner goes, because you mentioned Uncle Stevie Cohen there, <laughs> Mr. Hedge Fund. <laughs> he needs to stop worrying about stocks and hedge funds and start being the owner of the Mets because I think it's I think it's worse than the Wilpons. And yeah. And at least they won a championship in nineteen eighty six and and had other successes. This this guy, I don't know if he says anything, I mean so it's, we're, we're it's, in a situation where I have no faith in them, not because so much of the players as it's the leadership, the ownership, the management. It's 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 bad. I mean, you, you know, it's really bad when you see them pull pitcher at 72 pitches. And I think pitch counts are overrated, too. Oh, especially just go, in October. Just go to high school. Just look at what Alistair did this year. So I'm <laughs> fine. No, but you know what? People questioned a little bit behind the scenes. I heard Rome. I'm like, listen, if the kid's arm's okay and he's doing it, and there's no ramification. I'm just saying in general. I'm using him yeah, as an example. Of course. But he was like an MVP for that team. He, he pitched in so many games and so effective, pitched hard, and he was great, you know. And my point is, my point is, go with the eyes more than the 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 numbers. You know, go with what you see versus what you know what what a statistics showing you sometimes. Absolutely, analytics I think really have been killing the game, and it seems that you agree with that statement as well. I mean, remember the World Series? You have Kevin Cash in Game Six take out Blake Snell, who was pitching the game of his life. And what happens? The Blue Book comes in, they blow they blow a World Series. And you would think that would be almost an ultimate example of you need to trust gut feelings, especially in the World Series and the playoffs, where that stuff's out the door. Analytics is fine to an extent in the regular season, and I mean that as the most specific extent. But especially when you need to win these games and you can't keep falling behind to the others, you need to have them go out. I mean, you saw the Brewers had a no-hitter. The guy, take Craig Council, takes him out in the eighth inning. You know, the guy closes it out. But come on, let him at least try for it, you know? Yeah, he had two bases open. There were two bases open when mm -hmm. he uh, when he pitched to the uh, kid, kid at Dela Cruz, I think his name is, from Florida. Yeah. That went off the wall. Why? <laughs> Let the 190 hitter behind them beat you. So obviously he didn't use analytics there. So, you, you know, he didn't use his brain there. I mean, I, I just, you know, so there's been several games. So when you have, when you're in a pennant race or you're trying to get up into the playoffs or trying to win a wild card or whatever, and you are close but lose, but you know if you had done things differently in, let's say, 10 games over the course of a year, you change 10 wins to 10 losses to 10 wins, you're in. So that's why, as a Met fan, my first words were Tom Seaver. People don't believe me, but they were. My first <laughs> words as a baby were Tom Seaver. <laughs> that's awesome. And rest in peace. And, sure. You know, so it's it's bad. So, you know, it's it's Clueless Lewis is what I call him. Clueless Lewis. I'm surprised Clueless that our papers Lewis. haven't put that on there yet. So, but they should. I mean, he he's a good – he might be a good coach, teacher – but in order to manage the game properly and win, 
he he fails in that regard as a coach. And I don't know how the players deal with that stuff. I, I know what's his the Walker guy was pissed off when he came out of that game. I listened yeah. to him post game. But so do you feel if the Mets don't make the World Series, sorry, if they don't make the playoffs, do you feel that um Cohen's gonna just clean house, get rid of Sandy, get rid of Luis Rojas, start from the ground up? Rumors of that he will try to persuade Theo Epstein to join, whether as the president of baseball operations or GM. There's rumors that um, Theo would actually want an ownership stake if he were going to leave baseball to do that and try to take his third franchise to a third starving franchise to a World Series. Do you think that's a necessary move or do you think he should, uh, you know, see what else is out there? Question. So what? So the first step is what will Stephen Cohen do, right? What will mm-hmm. this guy do? We have no idea. We have no idea. So everything's speculation. Right. I, I don't think he's keeping the, the manager, the general manager, the director of operations, Sandy Alderson. I mean, I, I think he needs to clean house. But what I think and what you might think, Matt, mm-hmm. and what the general public thinks are two different things. So he's a new owner. Maybe he's going to have more patience. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe he's going to have more patience. I don't think it's the right thing, but you know what? I'm like a fan, like everybody else. We'll see what happens. <laughs> but, I mean, it'd be nice to see a change. I th- I think the key spot on the team is the manager, really. Mm-hmm. I think the players are f- – I mean, they could get some more pitching, but they got some injured pitchers, right? You could You could – the biggest, to me, the biggest change that I want to see is is in, is in lineup, game management. That's what we need better. And uh, you know, who knows? Maybe Ryan will apply. Hey, why not at this point? Do you feel? I, I say that I say that not even jokingly at this point. I, I mean, I, I mean, I could think of so many baseball people that I know. Let's bring if Bobby Valentine doesn't become mayor of Stanford in two months, he'd be perfect for this team. I mean, if he could take if he could take Benny Abayani and two other guys, I forgot who the other outfielders were to the World Series. He has like a much better team. He has a much better <laughs> team. He would salivate at running the Mets at, at seventy one, and he had more energy at seventy one than this guy does at thirty five. So yeah. I mean, you know, so at the end of the day, you know, that's just the one example. I mean, we need we need a new manager. Period. And and if they don't then there's just no hope. So, Hey, Cubs bring back 76-year-old Tony La Russa and they clinched their first division since they won the World Series. Uh, White Sox, yeah. At, at, in 2005. So maybe it is, you know, they have a Buck Showalter available. Would you like to give him a chance? I, you know, <laughs> the answer is yes, of course. I mean, mm-hmm. Him, Dusty Baker, yeah, Buck Showalter, Joe Torre, Bobby Valentine. Hey, man, Stranger Things have happened. I'll I'll keep going if you want me to. Pete Tucci, Jim Purcell. (laughs) Who's it? The Mets had the 80. Jimmy Benicasso, he's been to a World Series. Mike Hughes has been to two World Series. They held a job with his 13-year-old team this year. Mike Hughes, I'm sure you know who he is. Yes. Yes. young, Young coach. There's a lot of good baseball people in Norwalk, Stanford, the area, in probably in Westchester County. Like there's, I mean, I I can name people throughout the area. I mean, if you follow him like we do, Matt, let's be honest. Has he done a good job, Rojas, with the team? No, I mean, it seems whether even if it's the obviously the 
um, fall to force. It seems that the clubhouse isn't together. We've had, you know, issues of them internally having problems with each other, questionable uh, pitching changes, as you said, and all of that. He just the job oddly fell on his lap and he really didn't take advantage of it after, you know, hiring Beltron. Then they have to let him go after the uh, Astro scandal came out. And well, it doesn't seem to have really taken advantage of his opportunity. And he's also pretty boring to listen to. Not that there's anything with that, but there's not even any like personality to even inspire this team. So, you know, it all depends on these final three weeks. And if uh, they, they remember too, they what was uh, at the height at the middle of the season? They were in first place by as much as what six, seven games at one point, and they collapsed. That's a bad problem to have. So, doesn't seem like the Luis Rojas experiment is working. They'll have one final chance. They're in the you know seventh inning of this, and we'll see if they will uh, go big or go home. So, some other things sure. we'll hit on the NBA for a bit. New York Knicks, Russ, making the playoffs for the first time since 2012-2013. Tom Thibodeau brings life back into the New York Knicks fan base that is hungry. Haven't won a world, sorry, haven't won an NBA final since 73. The Vietnam War was just ending. That was the last time the Knicks have won with, with uh, Clyde. <laughs> and all years, them. holy shit. Yeah, right? So, long time coming, even just begging for competitive basketball. You see the resurgence of R.J. Barrett, Julius Randle, Derek Rose showing life. And uh, just this team just so great. This veteran team doing so well, the defensive side of the ball, especially now tough, very tough, you know, losing a losing in five games to the Hawks, though. It was nice to feel some breath of fresh air in the playoffs again. Now you come in, Kemba Walker's on the team now. You have Envin Fournier's uh, was signed, bringing back Julius Randle and a lot of the team. The only real miss is um, Reggie Bullock. That's he's uh, went to Orlando, I believe. So relatively the same team with um, some more additions. How you feel about the Knicks, Russ? Do you feel that they can be a more legit contender in the East this upcoming season, or? Or are they going to be in the same position? Yeah, I think the Knicks are heading in the right direction as a franchise. Um, I think Thibodeau comes from the Riley, Jeff Van Gundy, mm-hmm. defensive-minded, defensive-winning-minded coaching tree, if you will. And uh, but he's also done a he's done a pretty good job in watching those Knicks. They were relevant again. He's made yeah. the team relevant again. So you got to give them credit for that. And I, I think they're a couple players away from even contending at a higher level than they are now, meaning going to more than one round in the playoffs. So um, the improvement will be there after this first year doing the team. The improvement will be there in year two. And uh, Kemba's with the Knicks. I think I'm excited, believe me. And he's a UConn grad. He's a great player. He loves the garden. Um, and so, uh, yeah, no, the Knicks, the Knicks are definitely heading in the right direction. And, uh, I'm excited for college too. College hoops is coming. Oh yes. Do you think there's anything to the injury concerns with Kemba? That's the one thing some people are concerned about that he oh, he's, yeah. is a I mean, former he's definitely past his prime. He's yeah. he's definitely past his prime as a ball, you know, as a as a basketball player. He would say no, but you know. But, but we th- thought Tom Brady might have been past his prime. Look what he did last year, right? Right. 
Exactly. Buccaneers, and- right? So Kemba, Kemba's a, got a lot of heart and you can't measure that. And he's going to, he's going to do great things in New York. He will. There's no doubt. Um, so it's exciting to be a Knicks fan again. I mean, they're relevant. They're definitely relevant. Sure. People are people are watching them again. Rightfully so. They they deserve to be watched. The guy that's running the team, Thibodeau, he's a, he's definitely a he's definitely an upgrade from the last several coaches they've had. I mean, they've they've turned over so many. You lose track. Yeah, your Fizdale of um, uh, if uh, you have I mean, Fizdale. I, yeah, to some of me forget. Derek they Fisher wore. and you hey, know, Lenny Wilkins, Jeff Hornacek. Yep, Lenny Wilkins. Right, they had, uh, yeah, they've had so many different coaches, but Dia Tony, right, didn't so, work out. So it's yeah, funny. No, I'm excited about them, and I'm also excited about UConn basketball. I think the men's team, Danny Hurley, is doing going to be. He he looks like a young Jim Calhoun. He acts like a young Jim Calhoun, and um, and he's starting to recruit like a young Jim Calhoun. Calhoun for all of his championships, and he won three, and had a lot to do with the fourth. Mm-hmm. He was a great recruiter. He was a better recruiter than he was a people thought as a, than a game coach. I think Hurley is kind of going in the same, you know, same wavelength, which is great as a fan of UConn and wanting to see them do well. Um, I think they're they're heading in the right direction there too, and and they should be back in the national picture and go past their first round loss, which was to I think Maryland last year. They they're gonna they should do a lot better this year. So yeah. Are there, is there any other big prospects we should look forward to when it turns to the Huskies basketball team? Yeah, no, not he's playing up in high school in Connecticut, the state of Connecticut. He mm-hmm. recruited this seven foot center from Ooh. one of the schools. I think he's six ten or he's close to seven foot, and he's he goes to a school up up the line somewhere. Um, and he's going to be going to UConn at, in twenty twenty the next year. Okay, be a freshman, um, like a Travis Knight lookalike type of thing. You know, mm-hmm. someone who's you know, someone who's who's dominant. What's nice is what Jim Calhoun did was he kept Chris Smith in the state, Scott Burrell in the state. He he recruited internally first, and then he started to recruit people to the Big East, and that's something that's important to the program that they're going back, that they're in the Big East again, and and that's going to help. That's going to help long term recruiting. Um, and I think Danny Hurley's a great recruit. He comes from a great family. His father is a legendary coach, as you know, in Jersey. Um, he retired, Bobby, Bobby Hurley Sr. And um, Danny, Danny's a great coach. I mean, he's won wherever he's gone. And I, I think the same thing's going to happen at UConn. And we're going to be we're going to be back in the national picture every year, which is nice. Now, one thing with the Supreme Court's landmark decision this past summer to allow college athletes to profit from their names and likeness, this obviously all still playing out, but people think this will encourage players to actually stay in college all four years because they don't have to go to pros to, you know, get the money, the opportunity to get the money that they can. Now, having said that, do you feel, especially not only UConn, but all of collegiate sports, do you feel that that's going to be accurate as well? Do you think we're going to now see more of these players become long-term college stars? And, you know, whether they be go be a success on the next level is another thing. But at least at this standpoint, being a college star and profiting well off it. I mean, you're hearing players that Alabama quarterbacks already a millionaire um, as a freshman. Do you think this is going to be the new trend in college sports from now on? Yeah, I I, I... You know, I haven't put that much thought into the, the question, to be honest with you, mm-hmm. but short term and long. I, I think in the long term, what's happening now 
some of it was happening anyway. Right. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Some of it was happening anyway. So that being said, to allow kids, to allow, for example, give you an example, for allow a high, a college kid from UConn, whether it's a boy, a man's player or a female basketball player or a baseball player or that player, this player, to be able to go sit in front of a local business for a half hour or an hour and pick up a couple hundred dollars extra in spending money because the company's paying them, the business, the local business is paying them in their hometown to sign autographs and meet some of the meet some of the kids from the area. You know, students like to meet college kids that, you know what I mean? Or, or people, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? They're signing autographs. They're famous locally in their hometown. And it doesn't have to only be in Connecticut, anywhere throughout the country. In the old days, you couldn't do that because you lose your status because you, you can't get paid for doing little things like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? But now kids will be able to, you know, with their coach's approval, you would hope the coach knows what's going on too in these colleges and universities. But I, I think it's going to help. I think it's going to help everybody. It's going to help the student athletes who, by the way, in all due respect, I know, and, and your your parents know this too, putting kids through college. It's not cheap, right? It's not. No. No school's <laughs> really cheap, right? So if the kid is able to make money part-time, either signing autographs, making appearances, hosting a talk, whatever, whatever they decide to do, whatever job they get for whatever money – wearing someone's shoes, wearing a sneaker company's shoes for the season, whatever they're able to do. And I don't know what that's included or if that's separate in the universities. Involved. Like, I don't know the specifics of the rules. So part of my, my mistakes there, but at the end of the day, it's, it's definitely going to help the student athletes. But my, my only point, my only thing is they are getting an education and that could be valued in anywhere from two to $300,000 when they graduate. So it's not like the cook, just a lot of the colleges weren't paying them. But now what happens is whether D2, D3, it doesn't matter what division, you can make some extra pocket change for, you know, as a student athlete. And, and it, I see no problem with that. I, I, I don't. I mean, for years, Ohio State's been over the salary cap. So, you know, <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's it's in the bigger sports, it's, it's more relevant, football especially. I think football and basketball, those two sports, college you know, football, basketball. For sure. Yeah, this is, like I said, this is very new. It's, you know, just happened in the summer to allow this to happen, and we'll see how this all plays out, and it'll be fun. So, speaking of football, let's hit on the NFL. First, we'll focus on our Giants, and then we'll uh, go around the league for some other crazy stories that have taken place. Week two. All right. So, by the time this is airing, it's going to be Thursday which means the Giants are going to play the Redskins. All right, let's focus on the G, man, and coming into this game on Thursday. So, Giants play the Broncos. I was there at MetLife. The vibe was awesome. It was, we were feeling really good. You know, Giants have a lot of expectations coming into this year. What's Daniel Jones going to do? How about all the reinforcements Gettleman has done bringing them in, bringing all these people like a Galladay, a Rudolph, um, and you have uh, Saquon is back, right? Saquon yes, is back. Saquon's back. But he didn't. He didn't play like he's healthy. He didn't play. No. Like, he didn't look like the old Saquon. He looked very timid out there. Then you, you have wonder, seen, you know, at the end of the day, did they need a second pick on him, and did they need the sixth pick on Daniel Jones? Those are two of Gettleman's biggest moves he's made as a as a GM. Let's talk about draft for a minute. Oh, and yes. you know what? The result 
the result has been a failure. The result has been an absolute failure for, for mm-hmm. Dave Gettleman in his career with the Giants. And where it is, no matter what happens at the end of this year, it's his last year as the general manager. Now, will that help? Yes. The, the key to me that I'm looking for Thursday night as this airs Thursday. Yes. The key for me as a Giants is do we look like a whole different team Thursday night? Oh, they yeah. look like the Giants looked when they won six out of the last 11. Like, did they look like the second part of the year giant team last year? If they come out and if they play well Thursday night against Washington, and by the way, they've won five straight against the Redskins, against the football team. They've won five straight. Daniel Jones is 2-0 and the last two. You know, they won both games last year. They're 4-2 and in the division under Joe Judge, under Joe Judge. We'll get to him in a minute. So now if you could win that game and you get the momentum, now you're one and one, you just won a division game, and then you go play Atlanta at home the next game. Now you could start to build, get some momentum team-wise, and I think the Giants can rebound. Did they look terrible the first game? No one's saying they didn't. That's the earliest I've ever I've ever left the stadium was after the third quarter. We mm. left at 20 to 7. We had no faith. Yeah. We, we had no faith in a comeback. Um, unfortunately, that defense made Teddy Bridgewater, uh, Teddy Bridgewater look insane. No pressure given to him. He had so much time. I, I don't think the game was lost on the fumble by Jones. I think the game was lost at the end of the first half. When you go three and out, you just get a turnover and you go three and out, you give them the ball back. And then on fourth and three at midfield, you can't stop them. They get two, and then they get a touchdown. They don't even yeah. get a field goal. So you lose the lead going in. And then you get extend the lead coming out. That to me is coaching. So Joe Judge game one gets an F. Jason Garrett gets an incomplete. Jason Garrett, if they were to lose Thursday night, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets whacked Friday. I mean, that's how much people are fed up with Jason Garrett. Yeah. The retread coach, what's his motivation for the Giants to do well? What does he want to get another head job somewhere? I mean, in, in all not looking respect, good for his candidacy. That, that hire was not Joe Judge's hire, though. That hire was the ownership side. They love Jason Garrett. They wanted to extend the branch to him because, you know, he just got fired by the Cowboys. The point is, most Giant fans are sick of Jason Garrett. The play calling is unimaginative. Everybody knew they were running that sweep, you know, that sweep play. The guy he lost six yards on. He he's the he's on the hot seat. He's definitely he's the coach that's on the hot seat right now is Jason Garrett. But the guy for defense, he let Pat Shermer. Pat Shermer looked yeah. like Brian uh, looked like Bill Walsh, the late Bill Walsh. I mean, Pat Shermer looked like a genius on Sunday. The way they were rolling right down the field on our great defense. Mm-hmm. So the team has a lot to prove Thursday night. It's a big game for the franchise for this organization it's a huge like it's much bigger to us than it is to washington they lost their quarterback he was a journeyman anyway now they're going with heineke yeah you know for every score they get i think you got to do a shot a beer you got to do a heineken if they score but but no i think the giants have to win thursday night or it's going to be all they're they're as crazy as it sounds it's going to be a long long season if they go oh and two i mean they have to be two and one they just have to. If you look at their schedule and if you analyze it, and if you follow it, you really, oh, yeah. you really got to get everybody back into this thing. And that that Thursday night could be the cure for for everybody to say, okay, we, we're in game here. We got a shot at this. So Absolutely. Thursday night's big for the Giants. I can't emphasize it enough. Daniel Jones, what he ran for a touchdown and threw a touchdown. Yep, he fumbled. He fumbled. But if you watched the game last night, Lamar Jackson fumbled twice. So. 
you know, I'm going to give him a breakout on the fumbles because I don't think quarterbacks should necessarily be running the ball. They should be throwing it, right? But, mm. um, that's just my opinion. But a lot of people, you know, they like the option. They like yeah, to, the... you know, you, it, you have more of you have more of a thing to do with a quarterback if he could run, right? Um, Daniel Jones is supposed to be a runner. I don't think he ran the ball enough either. So there's a lot of play calling that was susceptible, very, very questionable. The offensive line, I don't think did so bad. Um, so it really, I don't know if the Giants were looking ahead to Thursday night. That's going to be the thing to me. If they come out and they blow this team out like they could do, they are actually capable of blowing out the Redskins, the Washington football team Thursday night. They are. They are. Now I'm speaking with my heart a little bit, but my head tells me that they were looking ahead to Thursday night's game. That's that's the only thing I could think of why they really played their worst game in, in years. I mean, definitely under this coach. I mean, they just didn't show up. So Yeah, to bridge more off of Coach Judge and yeah. um, his personnel. So obviously, <laughs> obviously he comes in. Not expecting what happened. I mean, you know, blowing the challenge, losing a timeout, real brain fart there. But, you know, it's it's a common adage that week one is the most overrated week in the NFL. I mean, the Eagles are supposed to be so terrible. They made the Falcons look they made the Falcons made them look awful. And of course, if we went for Washington. We play the Falcons the next week. That can only help the momentum even more. But anyways, Joe Judge. You know, various opinions. Some people like him. Some people think he's too hard on the players. But, you know, obviously he comes from both the Saban and Belichick tree. He gets us to a very competitive season last year. Are you excited for year two with the exception of what happened in week one? There's still 16 games to go. You excited for Joe Judd this second year? And you think he can take us to the next level? Great question, Matt. I appreciate the question. So the Giants right now under Joe Judge are six wins, 11 losses, six and 10 last year, 0-1 this year. The question will be, really, and I and I can't emphasize, I know it's a short, long 17 games now. I can't say this enough, mm-hmm. but 6-12 and 12 doesn't sound as good as 7-11 and 11 or 8-11 and 11 overall, mm-hmm. right? As a coach, would you agree? So oh, if yeah. you're 6-12 and 12 or 7-12 and 12 versus 8-11, and 11, which is what he could be in the next. I truly believe this, and his the lifespan of head coaches in the NFL is very short, right? Especially oh, with yeah. the Giants, the last two hires. McAdult, he lasted two years. <laughs> Shermer lasted two years. If this guy wants to last more than two years, he needs to win tomorrow uh, Thursday night, and he needs to win against the Falcons. He needs to get to 8-11 and, and not be 6-13, and 13. because if they ever start 0-3, I mean, I'm just telling you, that the jury's out on him. So you want me to say yes or no to a guy right now? If I'm leaning, like I lean totally against Rojas, right? I've seen him enough. I know he can't coach. Yeah. Right? Just to compare coaches for a minute. Rojas, I've seen enough. I'm done with him. Do I think the Mets will come back? No. Do I think the Giants are going to win Thursday night and then win against Atlanta? And do I think they're going to compete for the NFC East this year? If you're asking me straight up right now? Yes. The answer is yes. And I and I and I like I like Coach Judge's personality. I think it's perfect for New York. Um, I think they need to just do a better job with the with the some of the stuff. But I I think they might have been looking ahead. I know it's a cliche. Plus the Giants under all these coaches, they're ten one and eleven on opening day for some reason. The last twelve opening yeah. days. Yeah. And 
but I, I, I like the hire. Originally, I didn't like the hire. Why are we bring in someone in when we can go get someone proven? Then I started to watch. He, 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 he quote unquote, won his press conference. Um, I think he's won the players over. And I think I'm telling you, this is the big game for them. This is the big game for him as a coach to see what happens off a loss. Because I watched Parcells coach and I watched Coughlin coach for many years. And when they lost the game, the next game up was usually pretty good. They cut the bleeding quickly when those two guys did that, especially Parcells. After a loss, you look at his records after losses, Belichick. They lost to Miami. Now they're going on the road to play the Jets with a new coach and a new quarterback. The Jets, right? Yep. This Sunday, the Patriots should roll in that game. Even though they have Mac Jones, a new quarterback, Belichick is good off losses. This guy needs to be good off a loss. He needs to come back Thursday night and prove why he should be the head coach of the Giants. And you know what? I know he's the coach. I know he doesn't snap the ball, play it down. But I think football more than any other sport including baseball, including basketball, football more than any other sport. It's it's a lot of coaching. It's college pro. It's a lot of coaching. Coaching is very important in, in football. And I think uh, I, I have confidence in Judge. So, I mean, right now I do. But that could change. Like like a fan, it changes quickly. You know, Matt? It changes quickly. Oh, yeah. They, they start out 0-3, 1-2. I, I don't have confidence, no. So if they have to be 2-1, and hopefully they're going to win Thursday. I mean, hopefully. When I say hopefully, I just think if they if they play their game, they're playing. Believe it or not, I think Washington's not as strong as Denver. I don't think Washington's as strong a team as Denver. I think Teddy Bridgewater's a better quarterback than the two guys the Redskins have. Yeah. Washington has. So now it's up to us to, to play some defense, get ahead early, and take the crowd out of that game on Thursday night and roll to a victory. That's yeah. that's what you want to see as a Giant fan. You know, and if you think the coaching's pretty good, I mean, you hope Garrett opens it up a little bit. You hope maybe to get a defensive score. I mean, I don't know. What do you think? Well, I think that the Giants, it's all is a big test because the Washington team does have a very strong pass rush when you have a Chase Young out there. But, yeah, the line itself didn't do too bad, as you mentioned, able to hold blocks. But, you know, when Saquon just looks so timid out there and – uh you know, the 30, what, 33 yards show for it. But I, like you said, I don't think, see, there's no reason why they cannot beat this Washington team. And, you know, I like what the holes they could provide and then what the other, um, the other weapons coming into it, you know, Galladay looked good. Slayton looked good. Now, you know, we can see what happens if Evan Ingram comes back and then Kyle Rudolph wasn't really facilitated in the Denver game, but that guy could get a lot of touchdowns. He barely drops the ball. Um, awesome in the red zone as well. And as long as Daniel Jones doesn't turn over the ball, we should uh, complete this win and uh, get in the right position. And that's the only concern I have is how good the pass rush will be against us. And, um, you know, that's another tough thing obstacle Saquon has. But I mean, if Saquon can, you know, turn around and bulldozer like a Chase Young at the end and stuff, uh, it's going to be very exciting to uh, have some hope again and not have another 0-2 start, Russ. Yeah, it's, it's a very important game. I mean, anyway, you cut it. It's I'm going to be glued to my television. You know, I celebrate my holiday of Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. Mm-hmm. I'll be atoning for my sins all day. I'll be also praying for a giant victory at night. Yes. So I'll be getting home and and having my bagel and locks, and I'll be I'll be praying for a big giant victory Thursday. So. 
Oh yeah, and did um, I don't know if the did the spread come out yet officially. Uh, the Redskins open four point favorites. It's down to three. So the Washington okay. minus three, Giants plus three. Yeah. Yeah. So I happen to know that. Yeah. So again, pretty even matchup, but I think the Giants, even as underdogs, can take it. So fingers crossed. I guess my last giant related question before we hit on just a few other NFL things is, you know, you hit on it before we talked about it in this part, uh, portion of the segment about Daniel Jones and his moment, as we see picking him at number 16 is not looking good so far. And if the, six. you know, if there was number one six. game, the, yeah, sorry. Number six. At number six. I mean, there's yeah. a big difference, you know, that while well, they thought he was a franchise QB, um, he's got a lot to prove. The coach has a lot to prove. The organization has a lot to prove. Now it's just go do it. I mean, enough talking. You're either going to do it or you're not. This is a make or break year for him as a quarterback. And you got to win. You got to win games. Your job's to win games. If they go 10 and 7 and he has an average season, guess what? He won games. He's going to get his job back next year. But if they if if they don't make the playoffs and he's out, they're probably going to go in a different direction. Judge should hope that he still has a job because he, you know, I'm again, the shelf life isn't too isn't too long in this league. Yeah, and then you, you, clearly you, the next guy, the two the two guys on the hot hot seat probably if the Giants do perform poorly, which which could happen, right? Would be the head, uh, the general manager, and and the offensive coordinator. Those are those are the two guys because it's just what you know. The perception is the reality, and so let's hold so on, let's, man. Let's keep hope, right? Let's keep hope. I mean, if you know, I think after the after the. Uh, Falcon game, the Giants play the Saints and the and the Rams. I mean, yep. I mean, it doesn't. The schedule's not getting easy, so you got to win these games. I mean, you got to compete too. And and the first game, they they didn't show up, and that's a not a good thing on opening day. You know, your fans haven't been in the building for two years. Look at the Raiders last night; they played <laughs> with heart throughout. Right? They almost blew the game. Right. <laughs> It was amazing how they came back. That was an incredible ending, exciting ending. I mean, I I I I like the Raiders at home on Monday Night Football. If you you follow football, like you, oh yeah, you and your dad and your family does, as you know, the Raiders on Monday Night have always won. They've always been a good team throughout the years. First time with stadium with the fans in that stadium. You know, Darren Waller proven that he is one of the best. Vaccination, don't you? Isn't that the one stadium in the NFL where you got to be vaccinated to get in? I believe so. Yes. Hey, here's what I don't get. Just real quick about vaccination. <laughs> if you're vaccinated, right? If you and I are both vaccinated and we see each other, why do we need a mask? We see each other. Oh, that's that's the, the great thing. mystery that's of this the first world right thing. now. The second thing is, if we go see someone who's unvaccinated, you and I are still safe. He's the one that's not safe. So at the end of the day, if you're, it's the unvaccinated people that need to worry, not the vaccinated people. So I, I, I'm trying to figure that one out. So, and by the way, another thing I'll say, it's really not my business whether you're vaccinated or not. And it's not my, you know, I don't, you know, it, it's, it's nobody's business really. Yeah. It's just, this is very aggravating time known as the COVID-19 pandemic and all the double standards and all the um, contradictions. It's it's a, quite the ride, but we just have to do our part, get those vaccines, and then hopefully soon, very soon, the government and the CDC will say this is over, and then we can reflect on those lessons learned. But 
at least we have football to continue to distract us. And some of the other things I wanted to discuss regarding the NFL, just some of the things. Russ, I'm just going to go straight up. What do you think about the whole Aaron Rodgers debacle after quite the summer we had from Jeopardy to um, that bombshell that he wants out in the draft, that all the back and forth reality TV shows. Then in the first game back, he... He has one of the worst games, probably the very worst game of his career. Gets benched. Jordan Loves comes in. He scored a fantasy point if you're into that. I think, mean, what? I think he'd be only in 40 yards. I mean, what's going on with Rodgers? I need to hear your take on it, Russ. I think Rodgers has a leadership problem right now. Mm-hmm. That's what I think his biggest problem is as a quarterback. He can't, you know, the team the team, the ownership or the general manager, like the team is counting on Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Rodgers wanted out of green Bay, if I'm not mistaken. Right. And so yeah. in this particular case, I think he probably should have gotten rid of him and gone with love right off the bat. I said, bye-bye. Have a good day. I mean, at some point, you know, you, you, <laughs> it, it doesn't bother me. I'm not a Packer fan. I, I, I in fact, I, I, they're usually favorite. Like I, I root against teams like that. I, I don't, <laughs> I don't really have any love loss with that guy. I mean, and I don't think he was that great as a Jeopardy host, by the way. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, I don't know where his future is, but he needs to get his act together. Um, you know, he's gone to the media with a lot of his stuff too. I mean, I don't know. I don't see kids wearing Ro- Rogers jerseys like they wore Brett Favre jerseys. You know. What mm-hmm. I mean? or Eli Manning jerseys, you know, you, you got you quarterback, you have to have some leadership skills. And I, I just think, I mean, I think he ran Mike McCarthy out of town. Oh yeah. To be honest with you. Definitely. So, you know, I don't know. Let me ask this Russ. No Peyton Manning's no Eli, you know, so. definitely, definitely. I hear you there. Say the way the timing goes and I'll say God forbid that this actually happens, but say Daniel Jones just blows it this season and Rodgers doesn't uh, bring the Packers to the playoffs. I know that his deal, he can get out. He'd be available. Would you consider seeing Aaron Rodgers rocking the blue at MetLife? I'm going to answer that. I'm going to answer that, and I appreciate the question. The answer is no. <laughs> I'll take Andrew Locke out of Denver because Teddy Bridgewater took over for him. I think mm-hmm. Locke's a decent quarterback. Um, I'm trying to think of other other places. Um where there's good backups that are young that aren't playing yet. You know, someone like Mitch that. Trubisky? No. <laughs> no. Andrew Locke, for some reason, I like. Uh, there's other there's other quarterbacks, but, you know, the Giants will probably draft a QB next year no matter what at some point. Um, yeah. I thought the backup played well in the preseason. Uh, Glenn? Glenn? My, uh, uh, Mike Gannon? Glennon. Glennon, is it? The kid that's yeah. backing up Roger, uh, that's backing up Daniel Jones now. Yeah, from Jackson. <clears throat> but I wouldn't, I wouldn't go with a backup. I'd let him, I'd let this guy go through the season unless he's dismal. But he wasn't, he was, yeah, he fumbled, but so did Jack. Like, that was the quarterback's going to run. He's going to fumble. Like, to me, the bigger issue would be turnovers, not moving around in the pocket, not understanding defenses. If he, if he's playing that poorly, then yeah, you make a change. Mm-hmm. But let, let the backup who's on the team now go. And then maybe, you know, if you could get somebody, go for it, you know? Um, when, when Brady wanted to leave New England, I thought for sure the Giants would go after Brady. That would have been perfect. I would have loved Wouldn't that be a story? <laughs> I would have loved that, actually. But that didn't happen. He went to Tampa Bay and look what happened. 
how do you feel about the ageless wonder still winning games, seven Super Bowls, my dad's man crush? All that. (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot of people that are in love with this guy now. I mean, he's a tremendous winner. Uh, He's clearly the greatest that I've seen all the time as far as winning goes. Impact on a franchise. Impact. I mean, to do it in the second place. And now, who knows? They might do it again this year. I mean, I don't know. It's wide open, the NFC, right? So. Oh, yeah, specifically. But, but as far as his legend goes, it's, it's I mean, <sighs> tremendous. The Giants are 2-0 and against the known Super Bowls. Just tell your dad you know to get that. And your brothers or whoever else. Oh, I tell him. Every Eli, Eli's 2-0 and against Tom Brady. That's what's going to put Eli in the Hall of Fame, and that's what will put Tom Coughlin in the Hall of Fame someday. And you know. We'll take that. We'll take that. How do you feel about the Jets? Zach, you think Zach Wilson is legit? They uh, bad first half, but way better second half against the Panthers. You know, I was thinking of Zach Wilson. If he played on like Little League Baseball, if he tried out for Little League Baseball, I'd have GLM next to his name. (laughs) You know what that means, right, Matt? GLM. Tell us. Tell I know what it means. What is the audience? Good looking mom. That's what it has next to it. Oh man, she's a character. She's a real character, huh? <laughs> Perfect for one of my teams. Mother. She'd be a good team mom. But listen, he's he's gonna be good. I I, I think the Jets are heading in the right direction. You can't mm-hmm. expect much from a first year coach, first year quarterback. If you're a Jet fan, you you hope they compete in the games, go, you know, win five or six games, get a good draft pick next year, start to build. You think you have the right head coach. You got to decide that based on what happens this year. How do they bounce back? They lost to Carolina, right? Week one. How do they bounce back against New England, their division rival? They could have been yeah. looking ahead, too. They could have been looking ahead, too. That probably be a close game, actually, the Jets and, and Patriots. This Boy. Um, but, you know. But yeah, I mean, I think that was a good pick, and I think uh, I think the Jets with the head coach pick, everybody, that was one of the guys I thought the Giants were going to go after the defensive coordinator for the Niners, Salah. Yeah. Sounds- so I think I think the Jets are heading in the right direction. Believe it or not. Could you imagine if the Jets are responsible for the Patriots being zero and two? I don't. Well, I don't think that's ever happened under Belichick. They never started zero and two. So probably not. Things are At least changing. Not in the last since the Brady years, right? Yeah. Um, right. You know, so. do you think uh, Mac Jones is the one that they let go of Cam Newton for? Would you? Uh, so did you support that? I think move? that was a good move for for them. Yeah, I mm-hmm. thought he played better than Newton did in the preseason. Uh, and I think Mac Jones is. I think he'll be good. I mean, I think he's. Yeah, you know, I think he'll be okay. You know. Um, did you hear about Urban Meyer? Apparently, the dysfunction going on in Jacksonville. People think he's going to be walking. Um, even Teddy Moran's, uh, who's on my show, he thinks that he's out. There's already reports that he's considered resigning. Resigning. Whether those are legit reports or not, it is out there. You think uh, Urban Meyer that experiment is going to be an early failure? I I didn't read about that per se. Um, that would be surprising, although. This difference between recruiting all the best players going up against, you know, easy university. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, this right. difference between Ohio State or, right? Was it Ohio State, Urban Meyer? Yeah, he years? did. Won. Ohio State, Florida, University. Of- yeah, I mean, he's been around. He's won everywhere in college. And, you know, the pro game's different. I mean, he's got Trevor Lawrence. Listen, they, they got smoked by Houston. And now they're favored against uh, – well, they're only a three-point underdog against Denver. Hmm. 
I believe they play Denver this week, right? So um, that could just be all nonsense. Those reports. Um, yeah. No one's quitting after two games. Or <laughs> that would be ridiculous. But uh, there's probably a lot of people in the NFL that want to kick his ass that lost to him in college. So, right. You know, players. So, I mean, at some point, he's going to get what's coming to him as a as a new coach. I mean, in the NFL. So, you know. Uh, I'm I'm not high on Jacksonville anyway. I mean, it's just their first year together. It's mm-hmm. a learning experience. Even the pro game's different than the college game in a lot of ways. So oh, yeah. it's more intricate. You know, there's more, there's more, much more complex than than college. You know, than like even for Trevor Lawrence hitting receivers that are wide open because the you know you got all day to throw. For example, you know so. And my last question regarding football, how you how have you like seeing the Chiefs and then Mahomes turning into a star? I mean, when you have arguably the best quarterback, the best receiver and the best tight end uh, and a, a Hall of Fame coach, you're going to keep having that winning culture. Obviously, tough loss in the Super Bowl. But people always say, you know, when you lost your two starting tackles, what if? But, you know, the past is the past. They can focus on the future now. Do you think the Chiefs will continue this insane winning culture, this uh, dynasty, if you will, as long as they win a Super Bowl this year? You think the Chiefs are legit to come out of the AFC? I do. I do. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't see they, you know, Cleveland's up and coming. They they played them tough the first week, but Kansas yeah. City, like my friend at one of my poker games says, they win but they never cover, which is true. <laughs> last year, they win but they don't cover. Um, so Kansas City is a team, definitely. Obviously, they're the chalk, right? In the AFC, yeah. they're favorite to make it. Who's favorite in the NFC right now? I think the Bucks are the. They, their over so under was two, twelve and a half. So so. I'll be rooting against that again because I just I don't like rooting for the same. Like I I like to see some two new teams. So yeah, it'd be cool to see the Bills. Uh, people have ex- I was expectations the same for them, thing, but then they then they 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 laid an egg. I mean, they stunk against Pittsburgh. They were up ten nothing at the half. Yeah, it was they a up a lot more. Um, you know, so I mean, at the end of the day, Buffalo. You know, maybe Buffalo. Maybe uh, I'll give you a sleeper team out of the AFC if you want one. Yes, tell us. Denver could be a sleeper team. You feel the Denver Broncos, they do have a, a great defense. I mean, if they could play how they Bridgewater, put against the Giants, Bridgewater is a better quarterback than advertised. I oh, think. yeah. I mean, he made some plays the other day in person watching him play, throwing across his body, throwing hips. He's a good player, Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah, and hopefully uh, Jerry Judy can. Uh, and I know I, I'm a little biased with that with that comment about Denver, and I think Shermer is not a good head coach, but he's a terrific coordinator. He's always been a good coordinator, even in Minnesota, he was. Yeah. So, you know, so Denver, Denver could be Denver could be a sleeper team in the AFC, real good sleeper team for you. Remember, I said that today, but oh yeah, that changes. You know, the NFL changes week to week. You know, it's funny so, how it works. And in the way. NFC, and in the NFC, I think. You have Tampa Bay. You have, you know, I think the Rams are going to be much better with Stafford. Oh, man, it would look so good on a Sunday night. They're playing against the lousy Bear team. You mentioned the Eagles before the Falcons. The Falcons are worse than the Eagles and Giants. And oh, yeah. And Red. If, the Eagle, if the Falcons were in the NFC East, they'd come in fifth place. Like, <laughs> the Falcons are, are, are a mess. They should move on from Matty Ice. They really should. Yeah. yeah they should. Um, 
so yeah. So, but in the NFC, I, 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 you know, when you look at the whole picture of, of teams and, 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 um, opportunities for a team to really step up. I, 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 and I'm going to surprise you. I think it could be the team that wins the NFC East, believe it or not, if they, if they win a lot of games, man, the team that, that would... wins the NFC East might, might give the Buccaneers a problem. We would love to see that. And it's see something. And I don't know which team it'll be. I know one team, it won't be, it will not be Washington. Mm. It will not be Washington. Cause I just don't think they're that strong. I think it could be a Dallas. It could look at Dallas what they did at the first game. They played them tough. Oh yeah. I think they shook some I think Dallas opened some eyes up that the NFC East won't be as bad. The Eagles came out, but they played Atlanta. And now the Giants are in a question mark. We'll see what happens. Um, but there'll be some football's great, man. Every week's different. It's exciting. I'm in a pool where you try to pick five winners. First mm-hmm. week I was one and four. I'm not gonna lie to you. I was one and four. The only game I got right was the Rams. Uh, I had the Panthers right, but the line the guy had was higher than they won by five. Oh, damn, they won by five. They covered, but in that yeah. pool they were laying six, I guess. So, the you know the Panthers was it was a good win. But I mean, if if you want me to give your viewers a pick for this week, I'm going to yes. go with my heart and my head. I'm going to take the Giants Thursday night. What is that final score going to be? Twenty-seven to fourteen. 27-14 Giants. All right, we got on the record, and we definitely know who we want to win in that game. And, Russ, there's one last thing I have. I would like to do if we sure. – I just have a couple more minutes. Sure, go ahead. I do this thing called the Props Questionnaire, which every first appearance, every first appearance of a guest, or I should say every debut Uh-oh. of a guest, I ask uh, the same 10, end it with the same 10 questions, short but deep questions. I would love to hear your perspective on them. May we do that? Fire away, man. All right. My first question for you, Russ, is what's your favorite word? Love. Love. All right. Cool. Least favorite word? Hate. Hate. All right. This question is more of a life of fulfillment question, not necessarily a sexual question. Oh, boy. (laughs) What turns you on in this world, Russ? Teamwork. Teamwork. Okay. What turns you off? Selfishness. Yes. What sound or noise do you love? Sound or noise? Mm hmm. I like the blowing of a shofar. The blowing of a shofar. Um, what's a shofar? <laughs> Ram's horn. Oh, yeah. At the, the, at the end of Yom Kippur, one of the congregants blows the shofar signaling the end. That means he could go and eat. So I like the blowing of the shofar. You asked me that question two weeks from now, it might be something else, but that's what I like. Okay, I'll take that. That's a first. I like it. What sound or noise do you hate? Sound or noise do I hate? The joy of Eagles fans. How about silence? Okay. Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> What's your yeah. favorite curse word? <laughs> I 
I can't say it on the air. Let's move on. Yeah. It begins with a C and ends with an R. Begins with a C and ends with an R. <laughs> I think we could. Uh, right. I think we could know where that's coming from. Okay. So number eight is what profession other than your own would you like to attempt? What profession? Yeah. Other than what I'm doing now, which is I'm an insurance guy, sell yep. insurance. So if any of you viewers need auto, home, or life insurance, they should reach out to me. I'm right in the Google Russ Miller Farmers Insurance, Miller Insurance Group. My number is 203-223-1561. Call me anytime for that. But what would I want to be if I wasn't? I'll tell you what I want to be. It's a great question. I want to be manager of the New York Mets. Manager of the New York Mets. I don't want to be manager like next year. I want to be manager tonight. I want to go to City Field and manage the team tonight. Take over from now to the end of the year. We'll have a shot to make the playoffs. Now that's a great answer right there. What profession would you not like to do? Coal mining. Coal mine. Hear that? I just can't dig. I can't. Like my body won't function too well. <laughs> My final question for you today, Russ, is if heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say to you when you arrive at the pearly gates? Come on in. Welcome. All Welcome, right. Rugi. Welcome, Rugi. Come on in. Welcome, Rugi. Ramblin' Russ, this has been a pleasure from start to finish. I thank you for taking the time to come on. Great picks, great stories. You have any other final words before we sign off? Yeah, you know, it's it's been a joy to be on the program. I'd love to do this again sometime. We we could talk sports all day, you and I, I'm sure. And, oh yes, uh, we come from a great family, Matt, and I'm I'm honored to be part of it. I appreciate you asking me to come on, and uh, it's uh, you know we're one country. You know, I wish you know it's 20 years since 9/11. We we need to get back to 9/12. As a, as a country, as a unity, as America, you know, when nine twelve came that year, you probably, how old were you? You're I was six years old when that happened. You were six. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I was on, I was in the car on my way to my office at the time I, I worked up in Shelton and I was listening to Imus in the morning and he, Warner Wolf was on describing what was happening. So mm-hmm. it was, I, it was unbelievable. And then by the time I got to the office, I saw on TV, you know, guys had the TV on in their office and, and away we went. But, um, but yeah, on nine 11 was terrible, terrible, terrible. But nine 12, nine 13, you'd see flags hanging out of cars. You'd see people didn't matter whether you supported that person, liked that person, didn't you know, didn't matter where political persuasion you were from, you were one country under God. You were one country. Okay. We need more prayer in schools. We need more, we need more, you know, moment of silent prayer. You know, we need more to be united as a country. We need to stop spreading political beliefs on people. We need to let people be who they are. And we need to um we need to unite as one country. And that's something that I think is, is missing, unfortunately, right now. So definitely hear that, Russ. Profound words from a profound man. We never forget those heroes that day and in the future. And we never forget what brings us together and make sure we live better than we were yesterday. And I have the faith that at the end of the day, we will overcome what's here to come, what's there to uh, meet us in the future. And us as a country and as a world, we got a great future ahead, and there's no reason why we can't overcome that. So, Russ, I would love to have you on again. We definitely have to check in on how these picks are going um, throughout <laughs> the football season, and we're really looking forward to Russ. Thank you so much for the time. 
You the man. And I'll see you very soon, man. Appreciate it. Please. Thank you. That's the great Russ Miller, everybody. Thank you, Russ. Have a good day. Thanks, man. Ramblin' Russ Miller, you brought down the house. Thank you so much for a great debut and awesome appearance, the great stories you have to offer, and your very intriguing opinions. Appreciate you, Russ. Thank you for coming on. And I want to thank you, the greatest fans and listeners in the world, for making this all possible. I love and appreciate every single one of you. And I love you so much that I just want to remind you to like and subscribe to the Productive Conversations podcast on all podcasting platforms and YouTube. And don't forget to check out exclusive content regarding this show on ProductiveConversationsPodcast.com. And don't forget to check us out in the world of social media. We're on Instagram at Productive Conversations Podcast. We're on Twitter at ProdComboPod. We're on TikTok at Productive Conversations. So we're back on Monday. We're bringing back Ryan Page once again for another edition of the Tweet Cap, but we're switching it up a little bit. We're not going to go over current topics this week, or I should say next week, but we're going to look at Twitter as a whole, and we're going to talk about the most viral tweets of all time at this point. Well, I think Twitter came out in 08, 09, so 13, 14 years. There's been a lot of tweets that have changed the world, and we are definitely going to reflect and go through the memories of all those tweets. And then we have some more people coming on from various places that you will all enjoy, and we're just going to keep growing and growing from there. And thank you to the audience for making it possible. Just one more announcement. The Productive Conversations podcast will be collaborating with Mental Health Declassified, a nonprofit organization to help bring awareness to mental health health issues and help people who are fighting the negative mental health issues in their life. So September is Suicide Awareness Month, and for the rest of the month, Productive Conversations and Mental Health Declassified will be promoting a 50-50 raffle, which is taking place on September 30th, so two weeks from today. And with that, if you buy a ticket for $1, you get to enter a chance to win the 50-50 raffle. The final details are in the works as of this moment, so hopefully I'll be able to give you an update next week. But yeah, if you buy a raffle ticket, you will automatically enter the 50-50 raffle. 50% will go to the lucky winner. 50% is going to another nonprofit organization, specifically a nonprofit organization whose mission is to fight suicide awareness. So lots of exciting stuff for the rest of the month of September, and I'll give you an update in the coming weeks. But keep in mind, on Instagram, at mental... Healthy Classified on Instagram will be our 50-50 raffle draw and an event to uh, discuss suicide awareness, which is a very hard thing and tough thing to experience in this world. And we hope to remind people that it is more important to have them around than not around. So let's make sure we spread the word, allow that message to be heard and known, and hopefully we can make a difference. We will definitely try to. So yeah. Everybody enjoy your weekend. It's going to be a beautiful one. Not many days left to have this summer feel, but at least the great fall weather is coming as well. But enjoy the weekend. Make big moves. Again, happy birthday, Mom. I love you. Thank you, Russ Miller, for coming on. And we'll see you all next week. This Monday, we have a great show ahead. All right. I'll see you all very, very soon. Peace.